Hey, welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors. This is Brian Porta, your co-host. I have to catch myself saying host sometimes because I'm technically a co-host now. Um, this episode features a band called Pistol Gang from, I believe, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, forgive me for not knowing exactly because it was like two months probably since I recorded this episode. I don't really go through and listen to all of them, like listen to the entire thing before I release them. So if it's not Kalamazoo, my bad, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but it might not be. Oh, mystery. Um, anyways, uh, if you this is your first time listening to the podcast, you know, welcome. Uh, this is the music podcast for, you know, all the DIY bands. Um, we don't turn down bands usually unless schedule doesn't allow but the whole thing is i want to give a platform to like anyone who's serious about music and anyone who's really trying to make it you know to talk about their music and you know i talk to different people within the diy community not just bands like i'll talk to promoters photographers you know you get the idea um if you like that you know keep listening we're on spotify itunes wherever you're listening to right now we're on that shocker um instagram invite the neighbors Twitter at ITNPod, um, patreon.com slash invite the neighbors. We're going to start doing some bonus content soon once we can start doing in-person episodes again, which will be happening very soon. Um, and other than that, yeah, just like tell a friend about the podcast. If you like it, share it on social media. We appreciate it. Um, without further ado, which always feels contrived when I say it because like no one actually talks like that. But without further ado, here is Pistol Gang. That's okay. That sounds good. I wish I would have got that last bit before I started recording about the nachos. Yeah, uh, it's making me hungry. <laughs> yeah, so we we usually just we're off to the races. That's how we kind of roll on the That's podcast. Cool. There's no preamble. Uh, yeah, you can swear as much as you fucking want, dude. I don't. It's it's all good. We make the rules here. Which <laughs> there aren't very many. Uh. I appreciate you asking. It's funny that you ask because uh, I always think it's uh, cute <laughs> when people w- worry about like swearing and stuff. But yeah, usually well, I I drop an f bomb within like the first thirty seconds of a podcast, so it's all good. It's like me waking up, man. Drop an <laughs> f bomb first thirty seconds. So I just want to make sure though, because I also I also am a school teacher, so oh, I know how to. Yeah, yeah, elementary music, but I, I definitely know how to limit my uh, limit my uh, cuss words. If yeah, I need yeah. To. You ever drop one on accident in school? No, dude. Uh, honestly, the only time I ever slipped up is one time I was uh, talking about records with my students, yeah. and I meant to say big black discs, and I uh, <laughs> didn't say that. God that's damn, about, dude. That's about as close as I got. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, it was it was while I was student teaching. So my uh the person I was student teaching with just none of the kids got it. They're in like third grade. Except oh, the one okay, kid. Okay. Like, there's one kid who got it, but you could tell he's got he's got parents that let him watch South Park or something. <laughs> Bad you know parents. I mean? Dude. Yeah. Imagine yeah. if so, you were in like a high like a high school classroom. Oh, I would have been persecuted. You would have been like the pariah of the school. You would have been or like, you would have been celebrated. Out. You would have been I would have owned it. Too. I would have yeah. totally owned it. They'd be like, well. so all the all the kids call me Mr. Max. So they would have been like, Mr. Max is freaking awesome, dude. 
He said big black. Like, yeah, I fucking said that. <laughs> yeah, I totally would have, dude. You can't, as a teacher, I've learned you cannot try to hide. You just have to be completely honest so the kids have no leverage. Yeah. <laughs> what? You said, what? Um, do you all, all grades in elementary school? or do you, Yeah, you so it's, it's uh, kindergarten through uh, fifth grade. Okay. You got kindergarten music? So are you just like, is it just like, singing because i remember my elementary music classes it was just like basically sometimes we get to play a recorder so it's definitely um depending on the grade i mean so right now just to make things clear i am not i am not teaching but uh it's when i got my degree in and what i've been i've been doing oh. long-term subbing and stuff like that but it is it's okay. like it's i've been doing a lot of it so I, i'm but um oh god it's it's so many things man little kids you just got to get them to uh do things like i don't know man it's uh it depends it's it's a lot of so i have grades kindergarten or pre-k so below kindergarten through fifth grade and you know it's a lot of getting them to sing get them to dance get them to play certain instruments you know it's it's pretty much tricking them into learning stuff yeah through some sort of activity which it usually works out yeah that makes sense that's okay. how i learn best trick me trickery that's pretty much school in general. You're just tricking kids into learning. Yeah, that's kind of like sums it up for the most part. <laughs> yeah. And, and so uh, your band is called Pistol Gang, right? I got yes. This. Okay, cool. My schedule is correct. Uh, so just tell me about that. Like, is it is it just you as a solo project, or do you, do you have like a band, or what is uh, oh. the nature of it? Sure. So, uh, so Pistol Gang started off as, and I still sometimes think of it this way, as a solo project. Um, once I was in college, I started a band called Pushka that was an emo band because my whole life I grew up listening to pop punk and punk rock and stuff like that. And I always loved it. And then once I figured out what like true emo music was, um, or twinkly emo, whatever you want to call it, twinkly alternative rock to those uh, true emo boys. Um, it was really complex, and I was doing a lot of crazy writing, and so, and that was with a band. So Pistol Gang came out of me pretty much being so fed up with trying to write a song with nine different sections and different time signatures. Um, so I decided to do Pistol Gang on my own. So it's mostly been a solo project, but I will say that there's been times where I've done live sessions or live shows with my friends, um, which just, it just happened to be, you know, we wanted to put some songs together um, gotcha. for some sort of show. But most of the time, it's pretty much just, just me with my drum machine and my acoustic guitar, usually sitting on the floor in a living room. Yeah. Oh, okay. So like um, the new, have you, put out records before this new one or cause I, I should, I should preface a little bit back up. So like you got hooked up with the podcast through Gabe two foot parade records. Yes. Who mentioned that, um, I've met them before at a show cause, um, two foot parade handles like my buddy Colin stuff to, uh, ship and sale. Yeah. Um, so how did you, like get hooked up with two foot parade and like, is this your first release with them or is this like a. Something different. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Words. So, um, that's actually a great story. So, um, 
I actually have known Gabe um, for a while now. I like to give people uh, in Kalamazoo shit that I knew Gabe before everyone else because <laughs> I actually, back in my little uh, podunk yee town of Edwardsburg, Michigan, actually it's a village um, in southwest Michigan, Gabe lived really close. He, they grew up in Niles, Michigan, which is a 15-minute drive. You know, That's where I went to, to go see movies and stuff because there's not really much around where I grew up um, unless you go into Indiana and, you know, God forbid you got to go to Indiana for something. Um, so I met Gabe actually at a record shop that we used to go to and both um, it was me and Gabe. We used to uh, hang out at this record shop and at least I used to, I used to drink underage. <laughs> at that record <laughs> shop. Um, I told the guy I was 21 and he was cool enough to uh, let me steal sneak beers out of his fridge. Um, but yeah, so I met him yeah. that. Yeah, and so and then later on, um, I I hit Gay back up about possibly being in a band or something of that nature, and um, told them about the shows in Kalamazoo and how it's really happening. And so then Gabe started coming to shows, and now Gabe is uh, deeper rooted in the scene than I could ever dream to be. Um, and so then Gabe was always a close friend uh, uh, during all of this. So eventually, uh, once I started Pistol Gang and Gabe became a fan of Pistol Gang, um, Gabe offered to help me with some tapes and was starting up this label, Two Foot Parade. And I'm, I believe it. I was I believe I was the first or the second artist. I think it was the first artist on Two Foot Parade. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, which is really awesome because Gabe helped me. And to answer the question about the releases, um, Gabe helped me release 100 tapes of my album Produce, which was, I could never even think of someone doing that for me. Um, so mm -hmm. I really love Gabe and appreciate them. But I've done, I've had multiple releases. Um, this is the first release through um, the new label I'm on, which is zap world records which is based out of new york and those are um oh. okay. my two good buds uh lorenzo and henry but um this is definitely not the first release it's the first release in over a year though usually i was i was kind of posting songs every or posting an album every august or right around that point so. okay do you like and how long ago i mean how long has this been going on for all right so let me think so i this was before so i was when i graduated high school i was in community college for two years so that means i stuck around edwardsburg and around niles and whatnot so those okay. two years after i was out of high school is when i met gabe i can't remember the exact time but you when know did you I, graduate? Think I, I graduated in 2013 so it's probably okay. 2014 2015 i met gabe and gabe was in a band too um and we talked every now and then and really we didn't uh, truly become friends until I think I asked Gabe to play bass in, in the band, my emo band, Pushka, because um, I knew Gabe was a great guitar player and bass player, and I've seen them play at the open mic stuff at uh, that record shop used to hang out at with, or that we used to play at. And so then after that point, me and Gabe were just great buds, and I love them to death still to this day. Cool. So, um, are you Kalamazoo then I mentioned I heard you mention something about Kalamazoo. Well, what was that last question? Are you are you based out of Kalamazoo still? Yeah, so I'm totally based out of Kalamazoo now. Grew up in Edwardsburg, which is a little village, but um for the last five years I've been in Kalamazoo. Oh. 
Mizzou, like last week, there all the time. My ex girlfriend lived there, and I'd have a good time. Uh, You're breaking up just a little bit. Track fan. I was hanging out in Kalamazoo, and this is I'm not the biggest Motor City soundtrack fan. Clearly, we were me and friends were like walking to a bar, and I just randomly saw the lead singer of Motor City soundtrack just standing outside the bar, and this guy's very, very um, just you know, distinctive with his fucking hair and glasses and stuff. Uh huh. I was oh, like, yeah. holy shit, you're. I was like, you're you. I'm like, what the fuck? And then I realized they had just got done playing a show, like a. <laughs> Block away from where he was I was probably spent sweaty and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and so like, I got to, Drain. to meet him and like talk to him, but I bring them live. So stuff meeting me was just like, what the fuck? You know, I was just like happy, happy to meet him, but pissed at myself like immediately. And he was probably just what? <laughs> Dude, that's what's Not crazy that about really Kalamazoo. Anything to do with Kalamazoo. <laughs> oh, I don't know, though, because, I mean, God, there's... The crazy thing about Kalamazoo is that it's secretly happening, is what I say, because it there was this is. band I li- there was this band I listened to in high school. It's called Johnny Foreigner, and it's, like, a band from the UK. Um, honestly, pretty emo, like, really... And I didn't even know I was listening to emo before I, I knew what it w- truly was. And, I mean, really awesome stuff. And I remember just being in high school and being like, you know what, I'll, I would never see this, this band live. There's no way they would ever perform even close to me. They're from Birmingham, UK, like, whatever. And then, way later on, flash, you know, fast forward, like, three or four years, um, there's, a, there's a house venue that's literally right behind the house I used to live at. It's a, and it's a, one of the Kalamazoo's longest-running house venues. Millhouse. Ha- yeah, Millhouse, exactly. And they have their whole concert schedule posted for every single band that's ever played there. And I see that goddamn band on Kevin, the what ske- are you like- doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 Sorry, Kevin. Connor. This no, is no. I saw, <laughs> I saw you were uh, talking with the homies, and I just wanted to hear what you were talking about. Dude. Oh, it's cool. We're talking about Millhouse, Kevin. It's good to see you. <laughs> or hear you, or rather. Oh, but, hey, um, Kevin, what's going on? I just so want to just crash real quick and say, Connor, your record is fucking phenomenal. Damn, that's the yeah. plug. I don't I even just, need to say any more. I'm going to say it right now. I listened to it all day yesterday while I was going. <laughs> it's incredible. U-Turn is a great closer. My favorite one is Tough Feller. Everybody go listen to Bobber. And everyone on this podcast, I love y'all. I'll leave now. <laughs> you can stick around <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. I no, love you too, Kevin. This is y'all's thing. Yeah, I love you, Connor, man. Uh, let's go fishing soon, okay? I was about to say literally the same thing, but <laughs> All right. Y'all have a good night. <laughs> All right, but, <laughs> but but anyway, what I was saying is that Millhouse ended up having that band play there while I was in high school in a fucking basement at a house show in Kalamazoo. I could have seen this band that I thought was no way in hell I was ever going to be able to see them. And they literally played in, in Millhouse in their basement while I was in high school, while I was a fan of them. And then also later on to rub it in my face, one of my friends, I brought that up to them. And they were like, oh, yeah, dude, I was at that show. I got a T-shirt. You want it? And I was like, dude, it's going to be a fucking small. Because it's my friend who said this is like five foot solid. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Kalamazoo is awesome in, the, in that way. You know, it's, it's surprising what bands. It's hard to express to people, how to, to explain to them, like, there are serious bands that come through Kalamazoo and play in basements, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
We were a lot of people don't believe supposed it. to have shows out in Kalamazoo at, at house venues that both got canceled because of the COVIDs. Oh yeah, the Rona. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna play at Kevin's house actually. I think we both oh. were. <laughs> yeah. Whose house is Kevin at right now? His own. He lives there. I don't know who else he lives with. But no, I'm saying there. did Kevin just hop on someone's Discord or what was that? Oh, oh, so this, <laughs> yeah, like so. Once you've been on, oh, Discord, he's part like, of the the room, yeah, yeah, yeah. the I server, yeah. Anybody, yeah, can yeah. jump on and see. Yeah, that's the first time someone's like jumped in in the middle of a podcast, which I don't give a fuck. That was funny. Yeah, um, that's leave it to Kevin. That's definitely yeah, fucking right. love you, Kev. <laughs> yeah, that pleased me. But anyway, but <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, yeah, Kalamazoo, like I was just there and, um, it, like you said, it's secretly happening is a good way to describe it. Cause like the, I, there's a lot of great bars there, you know, like bells is the shit. Like Connor uh-huh. Rogers played it, played at bells. I didn't, I wasn't there, but like that would have been dope. And then like that... one of the coolest bars ever is the Kalamazoo beer exchange where they have like the stock market style pricing of their beers. And like, and, like if you've never been there, I would definitely recommend that place. I'll let you know. I've never, I've never been there either. I'm really oh, bad. I'm oh, really dude. bad about. I have been to Bell's though. I will yeah, say, I played at Bell's too. Oh, dope. The beer exchange is sweet because it's like all the beer. They have like TVs around the whole place, and it's like three levels. They have an outdoor part, and like all the beers are like listed on these TV, like like a ticker, like this, basically like looking at the stock market ticker, and based on like how many people are buying a certain beer that the price of all the beers will fluctuate throughout the night based on demand. And so like once in a while, like the market will quote unquote crash and like this bell goes off and then like all the beers and in in, that they have like drop to like super cheap. And then people like rush to the fucking bar and like, you can get like $10 pints of beers for like $2. And it's just, it's just a really cool concept. It's a lot of fun. That is a great concept. Honestly, the only thing I have against downtown Kalamazoo is that it's uh, really expensive. Like I love, I used to go to Hopcat, but yeah, and I, I've been to Bell's, and um, but man, sometimes I go, I go to downtown Kalamazoo, or I drive through, and I, I look at stores, and it's like, I've never even heard of that store before. I've never heard of anyone I even know talking about that store. But then, of course, there's Bell's, which is awesome because they support local music. They have the local music showcase, and then they also have awesome acts coming through that, like, would definitely not play in a basement. Right. Um, and that's what I love about Bells, because Bells and, 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 like, I love Shakespeare's, too. Shakespeare's is an awesome uh, yeah, place to play at. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And uh, Charlie, who does a lot of the booking for it, is awesome and is very, very understanding and... I probably would have never played at Shakespeare's if I wouldn't have had Charlie or um, someone named Dan uh, hit me up about it. So it's really awesome. And so because some other some places, I will say, just in general, you know, as a musician, they sometimes treat you like uh, you need them. And uh, yeah, <laughs> um, like but um, you some huge fucking favor or something. Yeah, right, right. Like uh, I will say. Uh, stray away from Louis in Kalamazoo if uh, if you're listening and thinking about place to go to because um, that's I, one yeah, place I, to kind of I would say hit up the fucking house house show circuit hit up Kevin Rice at the greenhouse or some other house because it's just like especially if you're like a starting out band like that's where you're going to be able to network the best like that's where you're going to be able to like find your audience like a concentrated 
subsection of it. That's what I would think anyways. Oh, I totally agree. No, even indie emo. Uh-huh. Well, e- anything, man. I mean, the great thing about True. Kalamazoo, the great thing about Kalamazoo is that like it is wild how so many people in Kalamazoo are so open to so many different types of music. Um, and not only just coming from a local artist perspective where, you know, it's, you don't get, it's very hard to get negative feedback in Kalamazoo. Um, and some people might not like that, but I think it's awesome. I think Kalamazoo is awesome. And it's not just because everyone's trying to, uh, butter you up, make you feel better. It's literally because Kalamazoo is just such a accepting place, especially of art styles and of, of different types of, uh, music and, so many different other things that the people are just so accepting of. And I feel like uh, so many other places are maybe a little more clicky or maybe a little more specific about what, what styles are played around there. But um, yeah. even tour, even touring bands will uh, regularly state how, how cool and how special Kalamazoo is. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I just think it's one of those places that like is, you know, as more and more cities are becoming gentrified, I think like Kalamazoo is on its way to that. You know, it just seems like one of those places that like, you know, it's a college town. It just seems like if a place is going to, when I say gentrified, not that that's necessarily a good or uh, a good thing, but you know what I mean? What I mean is like a city, like it's happening with Detroit. Like it's just getting nicer, quote unquote, which is like less dangerous. Like it, it, it might be a bad thing for certain people, like more expensive to live there type thing, but like more people are going there. And I think Kalamazoo has all the makings of a city that could be just on the upswing and it seems to be on the upswing. Um, but it's yeah, I would a agree. Weird, weird name. I think people from like out of state probably might not know about it. So maybe yeah. it's more of just like a Michigander type thing. It really whereas, is. It's strange. Whereas like Grand Rapids, you know, like that's more well known from people outside of the state, I would guess at least. I agree. So, yeah, some people yeah. out of state don't even know that Kalamazoo is a real place, um, which yeah, I'm right. sure. Yeah, which is really <laughs> yeah. funny. Kalamazoo is such an obscure um, name that let me just uh, drop this real quick. Um, me and my me and my girlfriend Clara, we uh, we've been watching silly shows on on Hulu, and one of them is Goosebumps um, because Dope. it's just it's it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It really is. If you if you haven't went back and watched some of the old Goosebumps, I really uh, recommend that you do because it. It's if it's not good, it's funny, and if it's not funny, you can just talk shit for twenty two minutes, and it's yeah. great. it's it's a great way to uh, you know maybe smoke some weed, drink some alcohol or something, yep. and watch like something the original silly. ones. Oh yeah, the original Goosebumps oh, show released in yeah, the nineties. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. the nineties. Yeah. So, but oh, anyway, we were bad. watching one. We were watching one literally last night, and um, one of the it was supposed to be like the characters around some game show. Um, held by monsters, which was already weird, but that's Goosebumps. And yeah. the monster gave a shout out to someone on Goosebumps uh, in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Huh. And me and me and yeah, me and my girlfriend look at each other and we're like, "What the hell? Like, what are the <laughs> odds that you know? What are the odds? Yeah, it's so funny, but it, they probably picked it because it's such a weird, yeah, such a weird thing. I think most people know of Kalamazoo because Frank Sinatra wrote a song called I Got a Gal in Kalamazoo and I think that's where the legend of Kalamazoo comes from. 50% believe it's real and 50% think Frank Sinatra just made it up. Yeah, (laughs) the whole like Kalamazoo to Timbuktu shit. Like when I was a kid, (laughs) thought they were both fake. Both real, turns out. 
Full thrill. Yeah, have you seen that <laughs> Facebook group that's uh, a hike from Poo Poo Lake to Pee Pee Ridge or something like that? Uh, <laughs> that picture is so fucking good. Yeah, dude. So it's the same exact thing. They both exist. As someone who has the sense of humor of an eighth grader, that that picture really, really spoke to me. Oh, it really gets me, too. I mean, God, dude, if, if you talk to my girlfriend, she'd be like, I'll say poo-poo and pee-pee all the fucking time. <laughs> I just think it's so funny, dude. <laughs> it's that basic. My girlfriend and I do, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For those I... No, what were you going to say? Oh, go ahead. I'll just say, oh, for those of you who are out there, Kalamazoo does exist. <laughs> yep. And also, when I text my girlfriend, I do say pee-pee-poo-poo verbatim at least once a day. So, yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's, I think it's uh, vital for a healthy relationship. Yeah. <laughs> if any of, the, any of the listeners out there are wondering what Benny and I are like in real life, there's just a little bit of insight I think into my romantic life, my you, swag. I just say pee pee poo poo a lot. If you can't talk to your girlfriend about pee pee poo poo, then you gotta gotta reconsider yeah. some things. Yeah. Well, I mean, she is my poo poo, and I'm pure pee pee. I don't know. Hey, we're working that word. out. Who's the pee pee and who's the poo poo? <laughs> it takes time, man. It takes time. That's so you just gotta it give it time. You can't force it. <laughs> Damn, this is the it. smartest podcast of all time. Yeah. This is like the Frasier of podcasts. Hell yeah. Frasier was once said to be the smartest show on television by someone who thought that. I don't know. No, dude, that's Big Bang Theory. No, come on. Bajinga. <laughs> Bazoinks. <laughs> Bazoinks. <laughs> but, okay, so maybe I'll ask you music questions instead of saying sure, yeah. poo-poo over and over. So what are you, some of your... Um, I'm curious, like, this is a multi-parter, I guess, like, in terms of, like, musical influences, has, what were the influences, like, when you were first starting Pistol Gang, and, like, how have they changed, if at all, like, up to, like, what was influencing you with the most recent release? Sure, that's a great question. Um, so, I will say that Pistol Gang is, and widely or it's it's i would say that a lot of it truly comes from my roots in loving folk music um when i was in high school i really i was listening to a lot of older indie rock as well and i was really into that stuff too um you know pandora and spotify and all those things were just kind of coming out so i started suddenly started was i was starting to be able to listen to a lot more Indie rock, you know, like classic indie rock from the early 2000s. And suddenly it was much easier because if you only knew one band, you type it into Pandora. And then suddenly it shows you 10 more bands. Just like that. But most of my influence really came from folk music. Um, and after I got out of high school, um, I just started maybe being influenced by something maybe things a little more different i started being more open to things like rap music and pop music um things that are commercial commercially successful and also very relatable um and then once i got in i went to western so my, when i graduated high school I went to community college for two years still into folk music i went to western i started getting into more complex genres maybe subgenres. you know you would say yeah 
um, like emo and just more uh, new uh, indie indie rock and all the other subgenres that were mostly alive and well in Kalamazoo. Um, so, so really, you know, my big inspirations for a while were just like folk, and I was really big into pop punk uh, my whole childhood. Listened to the Beatles when I was really young. So I would say those were my main influences. John Prine, especially, I would say is um, a huge inspiration to me when it came to uh, how he sings and kind of adjusting his voice for singing. You know, he doesn't sing like he talks in a way. Um, yeah. And I really liked that. I really liked that. So I kind of developed um, a no bullshit way of writing lyrics. I really liked writing lyrics that were kind of like Jack Kerouac, where you write out how it sounds, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, I'm not, I like, I like using in, you know, English that isn't perfectly correct. Cause I've found that in songs that the English is really perfect and the, or the dialect, you know, is perfect and the rhymes are spot on, you know, it's sometimes, yeah, you, yeah. it sounds, it sounds kind of try hardy. And I really wanted to write music that, was simplistic because that was the whole thing about pistol gang is that it's not emo it's not complex it's purposely simplistic and so then also with my lyrics i wanted to try to write simplistic stuff um but as things went on honestly i'm more inspired by my friends and my friends music and the local music around kalamazoo and on top of all the stuff i was already inspired by um it hasn't changed that much because um I feel like I found a niche early on and this, I've been very consistent at keeping it. Um, but I will say the new album is more inspired by um, a larger variety of music in general, you know, and really trying to listen to more pop music, listen to pop country, listen to stuff that is cheap and figure out, you know, what makes a, a catchy song, what makes something yeah. easy to listen to. And, uh, and that's kind of out of the whole time, though. You know, I don't want to have a nine-minute song with 18 different sections. I would rather have a two-minute, 30-second song with two verses and two choruses. And that's it. I gotcha. Yeah, so it's kind of, it's kind of expanded from things that are more complex to really focusing in on the foundation, you know, pop music and, and things that people regularly listen to and figuring out what makes those so good. Now, I would imagine that that kind of lends itself to the solo artist trying to keep it simpler. You know what I mean? It allows you to like probably use the drum machine and things like that with with less headache. You know what I mean? Like keeping things stylistically simpler. Yeah, of course. And yeah. I and I found that when you're writing simplistic music, that if you have four tracks and you put them together as a song, you know, and it's you know it's like a bass track, a guitar track. Uh, drum track and then vocals. Um, those are four very simple tracks, but once you put them together, they become something uh, completely different. Something that's even more complex than it started out. Um, and I that's always found that I always found that interesting because you know you throw four things that are very simple together, and then suddenly you almost hear a fifth thing. You almost hear a fifth track yep. over the top of it all, and it's almost like those four simple things created a fifth track on top of it. And, and for pistol gang, that's been my whole kind of my motto is just keep it simpler than you think, because once you have all these tracks, 
it's going to create something brand new. It's going to create something even better than you could even hear in your head. Honestly. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think like that's kind of the art in it. Um, for me, it's like my own approach to songwriting and things like that. Um, it, I'm not a genius when it comes to my instrument. You know what I mean? Like I'm not by no means like virtual, like virtuoso or anything like that. I can't, I don't know any scales really, but I think what would make me an all right songwriter would be the way I approach combining layers, the way I hear layers coming together and things like that. It's like taking like none of the parts isolated are difficult really. You know what I mean? There's, I mean, there's sure, some yeah, riffs that are cool, like some sweet, like tapping parts here and there, but like, I'm not a crazy guitar player, but I think like people, you know, respond well to the music because it's the way, you know, they're, they're added up. So I think there's definitely, I'm a big proponent of that is, you know, keeping things simple and finding a way to, um, it's almost a, a bit of a challenge to take simple structures or like simple parts and combine them into something that feels like, how did they write this? But and you break it down, it's like, well, I could have written this because I can play all these things, but could you have written it? You know what I mean? It takes a certain, that's what makes it unique to a, a, a particular artist is like the way they saw those parts and the way they thought to bring them together. I feel like I just said the same thing five times in five different no, ways. No, no, no. No, you totally didn't. No, and it makes perfect sense. And I think it does. It takes, it takes your strength, you know? It really, it's just like in the, I, so I went to the school of music. I was a percussionist in the school of music at Western. And, you know, you have to practice two to three hours a day and you have a lesson every week. You have to, you know, you have to learn all of the basics. And it's kind of a joke in the school of music where it's like, you have to learn everything to then forget it all, you know? Yeah. I think for me, my Pushka, my emo band, was the point where I was at the height of writing my most complex music I've ever written. It was a genre I was totally um, immersing myself in and figuring out exactly what it was. And pretty much emo music, or at least the style of Midwest-type emo I was writing, it's like you write nine different complex sections, and you just put them together. And so you have to, you know, you really have to... I was, it was the first point where I was writing stuff where it was almost too hard for me to play, and I had to practice. And so then I pretty much, you know, wrote the most complex stuff I was capable of, and then realized that I could probably write something catchier if I took a step back. Not just one, but like almost all the way back to the very beginning to when I first started writing songs where you just, you know, you get a guitar part down, you write the whole guitar part, you write the lyrics. And then after that, you record that stuff. And then you just start slapping shit on top of it. And, yeah. kind of, you know, and, and it's not like it's, you know, you're just kind of uh, nonchalantly throwing stuff on top, but, um, you know, you realize you, you less is more sometimes. Oh yeah. A lot of times actually i think yeah. like benny and i were just talking about the um the new strokes record which is really good and i think that's like a perfect example of that like all those parts like in the entire record are just simple you know there's nothing that's like hard to play on there oh yeah of course yeah yeah i mean same but thing with like green day and yeah certain yeah i mean it's just like any of those types of things and it's yet somehow they just become iconic <laughs> yeah know? and that's so. what i'm looking for yeah i'm kind of looking for something that is like so simple and so easy to listen to that 
it just is like I don't know. A lot of people say this to my songs twice because they're so short. But um, that's what I kind of like is that like having a song that's so simple and so straightforward that by the end someone's kind of like you know I kind of want to listen to that again because it was so so damn straightforward that I kind of just want to listen to it get get it a second time you know to really right. pay attention to it because it really is so easy to listen to and I'm not saying all Pistol Gang is uh is like that either and um I think I'm not the best person to ask but um. Yeah, something that's something that seems so natural, or, or I, I'm really inspired by things that um, I don't know. I've heard a lot of people say my music might sound like something that they've already heard, but they can't necessarily put their finger on it. And I'm I'm really into that. Things that seem so familiar already that you don't even mind listening to the whole song, and by the time it's over, you're like, oh, maybe I should listen to that. Maybe I should give that one more listen. Yeah. No, I definitely feel that, dude. I think it's interesting, though, because, like, I'm on the other end of things. Like, I, all my the songs that I write, they're all, like, the actual instrument parts aren't hard. But they're difficult in that, like, they're structurally they're weird. They're all, like, five minutes long, and, like, parts never really repeat at all. Yeah. If they do, they'll be, like, kind of, they'll be phrased differently. You know what I mean? So, like, that's what oh, makes yeah. difficult. But mm-hmm. I try to always like I love my one of my favorite things to do is to like take like a hook and repeat it throughout the song, but like in different ways and different parts. So like you'll hear a part in a verse and then that part will come back in the chorus or something, but it's like not the same part. You know what I mean? But it's just like word, yeah. You you recognize it and like that's like the the theme or almost like the 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 mascot, if you will, for the song <laughs> uh-huh. that, like, part. Oh yeah. But like I it's totally not, agree. Yeah, that's that's what's fun for me to do. I like doing that type of shit. And it's like honestly, I'm I'm too lazy to like really learn music theory and like actually push myself <laughs> like nah, you don't need it from anyway. a technical way. Yeah, it's like yeah. That, that's the way I challenge myself. Like my favorite I, I, uh thing to do is like just get in the studio and like see what I can do with that yeah, tool. I, you know, I love that. Tools. Yeah. Cuz I was, you know, it's funny cuz with Pistol Gang like I was exploring a whole new realm of songwriting. Because I think anyone who starts an instrument or anyone who starts writing songs, they have a a way of, you know, they have the songs that they really like, you know, and they have the artists they really like. And they compare themselves to that artist and that magnitude of song. But really, they're probably listening to that artist's fifth album that is the most complex album they've ever put out. And truly their first album was probably shit or was extremely, you know, was a lot more basic. And I think a lot of people forget that you can you can make some really good stuff. That's really simplistic. Like with Pistol Gang, it was the first time I ever wrote a song and I used the same verse twice. So instead of writing a second verse, I just used the first verse again. And honestly, I got that from Drake. <laughs> yeah. Because I listened to Drake and I was like, well, God, if Drake can use the same verse twice, then I definitely can. I mean, people love that shit. And, and I realize that sometimes it doesn't matter what you're saying. It matters how you're singing it or what the melody is. Because if you have yeah. a good enough melody um, and it's kind of catchy, it doesn't really matter if you have the same verse twice. And then suddenly that song is like very simple. It's like two chord progressions and two sets of lyrics, the verse and the chorus. And, um, and then sometimes those are the songs that people really cling on to the most because they're easy to remember and they're it's a very uh easy melody to sing and 
you know, those are the things that with pistol gang, I try to focus on the most are really, you know, not complexities, but really. Yeah. The, the simple well, things. I think like, this is like the, the producer in me coming out now is like, I would tell someone, um, or if I could tell like a younger version of myself writing songs, like the biggest tip I would give <sighs> is like, figure out what you're trying to communicate with the music, both, whether that be lyrically or instrumentally, like just what are you trying to communicate with it? And then figure out the most efficient, effective way of delivering that. And sometimes that's going to be a song with nine parts that don't repeat or whatever, you know, cause it could be about like an emotional journey type of thing. But if it's sure. just like a simple message or if it's just a simple vibe or idea, sometimes like a uh, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, boom, that's it. That's going to be the most effective. So it's like, you just got to figure out what the, the best songs I think are they figure out, like they know what they're trying to do and they just do it, you know? Yeah. That's, I, I, yeah, that's I the way to do it. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Cause even my lyrics, most of the time I try to make them really open-ended um, and not, not necessarily on purpose, but it does help with the relatability. You know, a lot of people can um, relate to what I'm saying, even if it has to do with a completely different, um, a completely different scenario. Um, and I've found that over the years that, I actually appreciate stuff more like that stuff. That's more open-ended because it feels more personal for the listener. But when the song is about how you and your girlfriend had a nasty breakup once at a movie theater or, you know, something like that. Uh, um, and the specific? lyrics are really specific <laughs> and about right. how, you know, we were sitting in the movie theater and you were crying or, you know, whatever. And this is not even a song. I'm literally just making this up, but you know what I mean? It, it, it yeah, yeah. suddenly is not as personal and it's suddenly, much more personal to just the songwriter. And when you see them live, it's great because they're very vulnerable and they have this really vulnerable personal experience they're sharing with you. But it, the connection is a, an emotional one. That's like, you know, I, I feel your pain. I, I understand your, your story and that's sad or that's heartbreaking. But the thing I like about pistol gang is that it, it, um, I really try to write songs that are usually very open-ended but easy to relate to. So someone who hasn't even experienced the same thing I have can still listen to the same song and be like, wow, that's really makes me feel some shit because it kind of makes me think about myself in this way, or it kind of makes me, I relate to this in a scenario that I have to deal with. Um, yeah. But it's, well, it's not, a, it's super vague so they can apply it to however they want. Yeah. Cause like I've, I've heard uh, someone say that, uh, you know, you only own like 50% of the music or of the art you create. And the other 50% is owned by the, the audience. Sure. You know? Yeah. So like, if you understand that you can play that to your advantage and you can leave things a little bit open-ended and you can like give them just enough details to like create a vibe and create a story, but like leave it open-ended enough so that they can make it about themselves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that's totally. for everybody. And, and like, I think it's, you know, I think it kind of works out too that way, at least for me, like, luckily I have, I've realized that less is more. So I will, I will share a little snippet that I was, when I was in high school, I got really into rap and was in a uh, silly little rap group with me and another guy. And it was called world champions. And that was really pushing my lyricism for the first time was really trying to find a bunch of words to all fit together. And, um, you know, you're looking up on a thesaurus online to try to get words or a thesaurus that like, you know, you're looking up, yeah. or looking up a thesaurus to find a word that means same thing, but it's different. Trying to find a rhyming word, going to a rhyming dictionary. 
And Dude, you, yep. <laughs> after a certain point, you realize that actually, if you have less fucking words, you have less fucking words to rhyme. <laughs> and yep. you don't need to say a word every syllable. You can hold out those notes for one whole yeah. message. And, yep. and then you start realizing that you have a lot more to play with and, and you really don't need so many words to express how you feel. And, and I will say that one of the big inspirations for me when, when I was in high school was a group that's been increasingly more well-known called the Abet Brothers. Um, yep. And a lot of people have heard of them over the years. And um, I was really into their, their older folk stuff, their older albums that they put out. Um, but they, they, have, they do such a good job of saying very little, but somehow saying exactly what they need to say and making it seem like it's effortless. And I've always been really intrigued and fascinated with that style of, lyric, style of lyricism where you, you don't hardly say anything, but somehow you express this very heavy emotional story or this very heavy emotional tale. Or I don't know, it's, it's, it's always been very fascinating to me. And I've always tried to write songs in that way, at least for Pistol Game. Less is more. Hopefully I can say the right things to express something in the least amount of words possible. Right. No, I get you. So in terms of, um, this will be a good segue and that's a rare thing is having a good segue on this podcast. Normally it's just like <laughs> jump cut, jump cut, but pee pee poo poo. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> dude. <laughs> but like, I was thinking, um, you know, in terms of, you know, talking about like what you want to say, you know, more specifically, I'm curious, like in, in terms of like lyrical themes or, no, just lyrical content like one like what are you writing about now um is there a theme to the record that you've released recently and has like the overall kind of thematical lyrical content changed from record to record word so that's a great question too so i will say my the last or like the previous three records i released which is old memes produce and twin bed I will say those songs were definitely a little more downer songs, purposely. But the thing about Pistol Gang also, which I always wanted to, to do, is no matter what the, the content was, I truly wanted to make it uplifting, like the music uplifting. So I, I avoid minor scales, minor keys in general. Most of my music, and I think that's what, I think that's what a lot of people cling on to, is that for some reason, I'm singing about some stuff that is either very relatable and kind of personally sad you know just being down in general or just feeling um a certain way you know i have a song basic music too and it's literally about how i felt like i freaking just can't learn music theory in college and i just made it seem like you know and, and so i'm like writing these songs about things that are really relatable you know you feel dumb and you don't know why your brain doesn't isn't picking up on this shit um but i will say that bobber is definitely and it the name lends itself to the theme um, and that Bobber, I think I wrote more songs that are a lot more uplifting. Um, they're more positive. They have maybe a little bit more of a positive message in general. You know, they might start off kind of feeling um, a little more of a downer song, but truly the message is positive. Um, and that's why I named it Bobber. I actually wanted to name it Sinker, um, but I realized that the songs were actually the, some of the most uplifting songs I've ever written. Um, so, yeah, so it wouldn't make as much sense necessarily. Yeah, and I'm not in college anymore. I think when I was in college, um, you know, I was really stressed. I was probably pulling between 12 and 14 hour days in the school of music. Um, 
starting classes at eight o'clock. And then I'm a percussionist at the school of music. So every time I wanted to practice, I couldn't practice at home. I had to go back to college. So I spent right. a lot of time, a lot of, a lot of time and effort in the school of music. And it literally was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I think that really pushed me as a person and it made me really down, you know? Um, and so that, that's what made me write those first Pistol Gang albums was I was writing these songs about kind of my struggle with just, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing well in college, but boy, am I not enjoying any of it. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, now I'm out of college. I feel like, um, the songs have gotten a little more, it's almost like I'm talking to myself, you know, because now the songs are more positive and it's like, I'm telling, telling myself it's going to be okay. Things are, things are better now, you know, things are more positive. So it definitely has changed. I don't know how it's going to continue on, um, in the future, but definitely a, a nicer, uh, attitude in general with the last album. And I was actually afraid because I always clung on to music. That was maybe a little more downer stuff, stuff that yeah. makes you feel, feel that stuff that you've been, you've been packing away since you're in school. Um, and I actually was nervous. Like, are these songs too positive? Are people going to be like, this stuff's not sad enough. Like this shit needs to be sadder. Um, Cause that's what really gets people's <laughs> attention. If you watch a sad movie and it has a sad ending, you're like, damn, that was a good movie. Right. And when it's a happy movie, you know, you're like, ah, that was good, you know, but you're not like, damn, that shit was deep. So, you know, I was a little concerned about writing more positive songs because I was afraid people would think it maybe wasn't as as deep or in introspective. But truly, it's just as deep and in introspective as my other stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's I think it's good to like have a sense of like flexibility about it too like you know let the music kind of grow with you you know what i mean like not getting like locked up in like uh this is what the band is about this is the type of stuff we write you know what i mean like just in general whether it's lyrics or just instrumental themes like i i hate when a band sounds the same from record to record like there's nothing yeah. about it to make each record like unique or special that just kind of a very like, fine line this is true. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, I have found that, yeah, it is a very fine line. Because, you know, the thing I, at least, you know, I mean, this is, you know, the most biased opinion you can get, you know, but my, my dad would be like, you know, I can tell, my dad would say, you know, I can tell it's Pistol Gang. When I listen to it, it's Pistol Gang. Like, you can tell because it's such a kind of different sound, you know. Um, it's nothing extremely special or um, unique, but it is a different sound. You know, I put a lot of distortion on my voice and stuff like that. But once I found my sound, I realized that, you know, I had it almost down to a formula. Like I knew exactly it was the same formula or the same equation every time I just had to plug in different shit to make, you know, similar stuff. And once I got that down, I realized I could stray from it. And I realized I could, you know, write yeah. a Pistol Gang song, but specifically write a Pistol Gang song that sounded like something I really liked or sounded like a genre I really liked. and but could still stick with that, that same sound, but I could also still move forward because really I hate when people are like, oh, I fucking hate how this band, they, you know, they're they used to be good, but now they sound like shit. And it's like, well, you know, they changed because they were bored, you know, right. it's like, it's like expecting someone to paint the same picture, like a painter to paint the same picture all the time, just because it makes you happy. And that, you know, that's bullshit. Yeah. You know, uh, 
you got to keep changing and adapting just because just because that musician made something that's different and doesn't sound like what you're used to um, doesn't mean that all the stuff that they already created isn't there doesn't already exist because it does you know like uh that's what i had to remind myself is that even though i'm making stuff that sounds kind of different than what i used to all of that stuff is still there i already did that you know and all that stuff will forever be there um so why stay on that when i can continue to make something a little different um in the long run yeah that makes sense um i guess oh another thing we talk about normally touring that's gonna be kind of like one of the last things we talk about before we wrap it up so sure have you gone on any tours is touring something that like you've either done in the past or like plan to do in the future i mean obviously we can't do it right now it's june 17th and we're still kind of in quarantine there's no oh, yeah. shows right now but you know have you so done the, anything like that yeah so um the funny thing is actually um i had pistol gangs my so gabe planned me a five day a five day um midwest tour and it was supposed to start in the first full week of march <laughs> so gotcha. uh, you can you can imagine what happened um all the stuff slowly started all the venues started slowly canceling um but i have gone on tour with other bands in the past um honestly fairly limited experience but um tour is kind of what you make it you know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how to how to go on tour the right way you know some people are really stressed on tour and i feel like the best way to be on tour is to know hey i'm gonna lose some money but i'm gonna have some fun right <laughs> most of the time most of the time especially when you're a beginning artist you know if you've been doing it for god dang 15 years you know and then you're on tour and doing stuff and yeah you know you might be pissed but I think my mindset, at least for going on that tour, I was totally ready to just, you know, have fun, share my music. And that was about it. I wasn't really worried about, am I going to make my money back? Am I going to lose some money? Um, but hopefully we will get a Pistol Gang tour set up as soon as um, things are open and maybe more house venues are comfortable with having people in. Luckily with Michigan, um, which I'm sure you guys have been seeing too, is that we have one of the highest rates for dropping uh, per the percentage of the coronavirus. So that is promising. I'm not holding to it, but um, it is nice to see that we're one of the states that's literally doing the best at reducing uh, cases of coronavirus. So maybe it'll be, uh, it's on the horizon sometimes. A pistol game. Yeah. Well, cool. Any, uh, any places that you would like in the future that you'd really, really like to go to as far as like tour destinations, like bucket list you know, type stuff? Honestly, I, uh, I don't really have any bucket list stuff for, for tour or something. I, I really kind of look at a situation while I'm doing it. So, you know, um, I was really pumped about the Midwest tour. So honestly, if I could just get, get around the Midwest, um, I think we had a show and that was booked in Ohio. Um, I think it would be cool to play play in the surrounding states. I mean, really, I don't have huge aspirations as long as I can get out and share my music. Because truly, what's I would like to say that I'm pretty selfish when it comes to to my music. I really, I no one can stop me from saying that I get literally the most enjoyment out of writing and playing, creating music. And um, as long as I can play music for other people and I can share it with them and they're vibing it, 
that's my that's like the biggest goal I could possibly I could possibly ask for because I grew up out in the middle of nowhere. I used to tell myself that punk rock was dead. You know, I didn't think there was anything like this even existing. So just to be a right. part of a scene, just to be a part of a band where I can go around and play music in a different city, even in Michigan, that's like more than I could ever. Fair enough. Well, um, I think that's I'm I'm about uh good. I think I've asked everything I wanted to ask. Uh, yeah, I've been Benny, I've been craving nachos for like forty minutes. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I might make another plate. I barely oh, eat shit today. I feel that. I, I can give this to myself. You can. <laughs> uh, well, I will give you. Um, I'll I'll sign off the recording because I've lately I feel like I've been ending the episodes with shit that just doesn't. The, the audience just isn't going to care about at all. So, sure, yeah, that's cool. Thanks for listening, people, and then I'll give you some info. Thanks for listening, guys. Sorry if there's any audio issues because Discord fucking sucks. And that is it. That's another episode. Um, thanks for listening. If you again, if you like what you heard, if you like what we're about, um, talk about us online. Share it with a friend. You can go give us a rating on iTunes um, or a review those are much appreciated or you can just shoot us a dm on twitter or instagram tell us what you think those are always appreciated we respond to all of them um again we got a patreon start pushing that more once we're actually doing bonus content and um if you know any bands that you want to hear interviewed you know let them know about the podcast tag us both in a post on social media or something because always looking for more bands um, to do So anyways, thanks for listening and hopefully you listen again next week. All right. See you.